0: From our respective abode, welcome to the Brown Sports Combos Podcast Zoom Edition, NBA Playoff Preview Edition, I guess. <laughs> My name is Samuel Ree, and with me today, we got a few guys.
1: Introduce yourselves. I'm Ethan Jobson. I'm David Cody. My name is Ike Marchi.
0: Yeah, and uh, like I said, uh, this time around, we are going to be focusing on the preview of the NBA playoffs because that's coming up in like 30 minutes, Uh, and uh, we'll we'll talk about some other stuff, but I think that's where we're going to sort of focus our efforts, Uh, so we'll do our normal thing where we go around and we sort of introduce the topics that we are interested in, Um, so would any of you like to start with that for us?
2: I could go first. Um, So obviously, as Sam mentioned, we're talking about the NBA. And I just wanted to talk about some series that I think are very interesting. In particular, I wanted to talk about the Thunder, uh, everybody's surprise team this season, going up against the kind of the last stand of this incarnation of the Houston Rockets. The prodigal son is returning home. How is is Chris Paul going to interact with uh, a team that replaced him? How is it going to go between a team that we thought had been uh, put to the side for this season for a while, uh, competing with a team that has been kind of the sexy pick to win it all for years now? I, for one, think that there's a lot to talk about and a lot of interesting uh, both on the court and off the court stuff with that series.
1: And, you know, keeping it in the West as well, uh, I'll, I'll be the first to acknowledge my bias. Uh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Lake show. I'm a Lake show guy all the way, you know, um, I'm mm. picking the Lakers to win the finals because I feel like you should never bet against LeBron James. But in terms of first round matchups, the one that intrigues me the most is the matchup between the Clippers and the Mavericks. You know, um, obviously the Clippers are a lot of people's pick to, to win it all, but, you you can't count out luka doncic and and his progress as as a young star in this league you know um he had he just recently had one of his best games in the bubble where he 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 set his career high for assists so when you have a guy who's as seasoned as he is especially in especially in big games regarding his his experience um playing overseas as a as a youth like the, a setting like this where, where home court advantage, quote-unquote, per se, doesn't really take precedent, I feel like somebody like Lucas is going to be able to thrive, even if you count in uh, the Clippers' defense and what have you. So that series really interests me, and I feel like, I feel like it's not just going to be an easy write-off for the Clippers to, to just to just meander on to the second round. So, so we shall see.
0: Yeah, I'll go next. Um, I think when you're looking at the way that the East is shaping up, a lot of people have the Bucks coming out of it. They, a lot of them have, you know, them as potential favorites to even like take the chip. Um, but I do think that whoever they end up meeting in the conference finals between the Raptors and the Celtics, I think that's going to be a tough matchup for them. Um, I, I really think that the you may see the second or third seed in the East come out into the finals
3: and uh i'll 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 wrap us up um i know we're going to talk mostly about basketball uh in this podcast obviously as the playoffs have started but uh, i am here so that means we're going to talk about football a little bit too um it's 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 training camp camps are open teams are practicing whether that is a good or bad thing is yet to be seen although it's probably not that hard to guess um I really hope there will be football season and I think we're going to talk about it as if there will be football season because there are a lot of really exciting teams to watch. I'm a Patriots fan and we have a new quarterback for the first time in my lifetime. Uh, Our old quarterback is leading one of the most exciting teams, hype-filled teams I can remember in a long time. Um, There's a lot going on. So, I'm just excited to talk football, so we'll definitely be talking some football today as well.
0: All righty, so we can jump right into it with uh, whatever we're feeling. I'm um, looking at the NBA schedule right now. We got uh, Utah Denver, the first playoff game, very exciting in 13 minutes. Uh, and uh, I think that that calls for just sort of some um some musing on the West. So we had a couple mm-hmm. of topics on that. Uh, yeah, Ike, you were talking about Mavericks Clippers. Uh, you think that's going to be an interesting series. I, I totally agree. Like, I've been a longtime Doncic fan. Uh, you look at his stats this season, it's ridiculous for, what is he, a second-year, third-year player. Uh, uh, time has lost all meaning for me. But um, mm-hmm. you, you kind of mentioned before the pod, uh Porzingis is uh sort of a wild card for you sort of one to look out for he, he's a matchup nightmare uh I, I kind of agree like who, who do the Clippers have that can deal with Porzingis um I'm gonna be totally honest I kind of forgot he was on the Mavericks because <laughs> <laughs> it's just been like it's just been a, a crazy little bit um but my concern with the Mavericks has sort of been their depth for a while, uh, you, you look at Doncic, you look at Porzingis, and it's like, dang, those guys are scoring collectively almost fifty points a game for the Mavericks. They're they're collectively sc- grabbing like about nineteen rebounds per game. Holy moly! Um, but then, like, their third leading scorer is Tim Hardaway Jr., and mm-hmm. like that guy's streaky is all mess. Um, and and like you look at you look at their depth chart for their bigs, and it's like. Yeah, Boban, Boban will get you some minutes. Yeah, Maxi Kleber, he'll get you some minutes. Um, but yeah, I would say I'm a little bit concerned about that aspect of it because you look at the Clippers' depth chart. You you look at what the Clippers are able to throw out there in terms of like, all right, they're gonna they're gonna run you off the court. You know, Beverly is just gonna harass whoever is bringing up the ball. You got Kawhi and George locking down the wings, and I mean they also have guys who will snag rebounds. They got guys who are going to be able to at least like seal out some defensive possessions with that stuff. Even if they're going to struggle to outsize out, out muscle Perzingis. It's like, yeah, I don't know. I, I have a couple concerns about that. I think depth is really like the big thing for me. Cause I think the Mavericks really are like a two or three man team, two and a half man team. Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's, that's very fair. And, and I'll concede that. And I think, I think the biggest thing for all the teams uh, going into this playoff run is going to be matchups. You know, um, I think I, I remember I saw um, Taylor Rooks ask LeBron James a question in regards to how ready his team was um, in terms of um, in terms of being playoff ready. And he pointed out that there's a complete different aspect that goes into play, preparing for a playoff game, that as opposed to preparing for any other kind of game or like a regular season game that sh- that you'll see. So, so like matchups and 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 just being able being able to be ready and consistent is is something that's huge and in, in, in regard to going into those games. So that's definitely fair. Um, I think when when you talk about Chris stops in terms of being a matchup nightmare, like. I think Montrez is someone who, who might might be able to outstrength him, you oh, know. Yeah, absolutely might be able to like be able to to outbox him and things and things that matter. And it's funny because I'm actually gonna make a quick tie to um to college basketball because I myself, um um I got two both of my sisters are Michigan State alumni, so I have a strong disdain for the University of Michigan. And that's kind of ironic because the the Mavericks they 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 um they displayed two guys who are Michigan alum in Trey Burke and like you noted Tim Hardaway and Trey Burke actually came into his own a little bit um in the bubble um finding those minutes and like getting hot a little bit. So um yeah I don't know like we'll we'll see. I think matchups and like being able seeing who's going to be able to be consistent because like I pointed out um there's no there's no home court advantage. Um a lot of the shooters in the bubble they had pointed out that this it's 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 a shoot like it's a shooters league and this is it's a shooters environment because of the way the eye line sites are set up and things of that matter. So like if if you if you if you're one of those guys who who thrives off just hooping alone um, in the gym as opposed to feeding off crowds energy, like you're gonna you're gonna see more you're gonna see those guys thrive a little bit more. So. Yeah, I mean like I said it should be interesting and and that depth is definitely going to going to play a part into it. Um but yeah, I I don't know. I I like if 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 Lucas averaging a triple double in that series and Kawhi's only averaging his what? four assists a game, mm-hmm. you know, like you know, I don't know. I don't know, but but that depth is yeah. definitely going to be an issue for them. So if 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 somebody goes like if one of their hot big two goes cold then it it's yeah. quiet. So it's I, – I, I give them, like, a strong – like, a 35% chance to win that series. Hey. Like, I, I, it's possible, but, like, That's a lot of things generous, have to go yeah. right for them. Yeah.
2: 35
3: – yeah, go ahead. Uh,
2: I do think that one thing we need to keep in mind with the Clippers is just that they uh, have not been fully healthy for much of this season. I, I think we've almost subconsciously – we were talking about depth, but I think we've almost forgotten that uh, – Kawhi and Paul George are both on that team. Like, no offense. I had the same thought when I saw that matchup. I'm like, oh, man, the Mavs, that that, that could be an interesting series. But I would say that beyond even depth, we do, I think, sometimes uh, forget to think, like, oh, as good as Luka has been, especially for where he is in his career, would you really put him above Kawhi or Paul George at this point, like for this particular series? I'm not so sure of that. And I think we've almost, when free agency happened last year, I think the reason a lot of us saw the Paul George and Kawhi teaming up with the Clippers as particularly important was because the Clippers were already a good deep team before they came, and now you're adding superstars. And I think it's almost easy to forget that they have that combination uh, because they've Again, they haven't had time to gel. There have been, like, different health concerns with different people. I think it might be that the Mavs are a very promising team, especially for a seven seed. But I think people might be forgetting just how good the Clippers could be beyond almost anyone in the league, honestly.
0: And uh, some big – some relevant information, I think, to that is – Uh, Beverly is out for the time being and uh, Harrell and Shamit are considered day to day. Um, So uh, like I was talking about, I think Harrell is like a big part of that matchup because he's a guy who will bang with Prazingis who has historically struggled with physical post defenders. um, And I don't know. Like they got they got some some depth for their bigs. Like I, you know, you've Zubac is not a bad player at all. Like I would I would take that man in in my post any 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 day of the week, uh, especially considering the state of the league. But yeah, I think Carroll being out, I think just having a little bit less depth than they prefer due to injuries uh, will will be a factor in this. But um, regardless of that, the Clippers are definitely the favorite. In this series for me but um i i do agree with that it's gonna be interesting it's gonna be an interesting series for sure
1: Ethan, you're gonna before.
0: be able to see some stuff from luca
1: i hope yeah, i yeah. hope absolutely I'm, I'm excited like i'm excited it's, it's funny just because when you when you think about guys who are like entertaining per se in terms of watching basketball you think of the uber athletic or the the super skilled guy with like russ down and dunking the ball or Steph Curry, like, floating free, But, like, Luca's, Luca's entertainment value in regards to how he plays the game is just being, like, really, like, at his own pace, kind of like how Kawhi, like, floats his way to the mid-range. But knowing always where his teammates are and what is the right play to make. And I, I, like, I commend that a lot to him. And I think what you'll see to an extent, to your point, Ethan, is that it might be sort of like a downloading information uh information style deal kind of like what John Morant did in that playing game with um with uh with the trailblazers obviously he didn't make the playoffs but it's one of those things where it's like I was that close and I know how to play in this in a style of game that that means a lot you know so I feel like this series for Luca and the Mavericks is really important in terms of like okay how how will we see ourselves against a team that's quote unquote uh, championship pedigree, you know, and then how do we take that information to, to bring back that 20, that, that 2011 feel of, 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 of um Dirk and, and, and all of Mark Cuban's glory, you know? So the, I, like, they, like, if you want to talk this series, like, like, like I said, like, and like you said, I don't know, but if you're talking down the line, the Mavericks have a lot, like a lot of promise. I, I saw this one tweet. It was like, yo, <laughs> imagine if, um, imagine if uh what's it called if Giannis like ends up not not doing doing what he needs to and then goes to the Mavericks that's the most OP thing ever (laughs) like that should not be allowed
2: well I think um one
3: thing this series is gonna is gonna kind of uh demonstrate is how important defense can be in the playoffs especially um and I think the the real mismatch in this series and the reason why I don't think it's going to go very far is because uh, when it comes to stopping Luca, the Clippers have exactly what you would need. They have these two, like, bona fide wing stoppers who are superstars on offense, but also, like, I mean, Kawhi started his career being a defensive stopper. Um, and Paul George has all the tools you would want in a wing stopper. Um, I don't know. I don't see the Mavericks being able to keep up with just the sheer offensive depth that the Clippers have, because not only do you have to stop a Kawhi or a Paul George, which they don't have answers for, um, you also have to find an answer for Lou will or Montrez in the paint, um, which, which Porzingis has the size to, but we don't know if he has the the strength and the defensive skill to do that. So I, I mean, I, I like defensive players in general, so I think that's just where my head's at. Uh, looking at this series, but um, I don't, I don't really see the Mavericks being able to to slow down the Clippers for for five or six games. I think this series ends pretty quickly.
2: Yeah, if I had, I was thinking about what you were talking about, like, and I agree that like Luca is a very special player. He has a bright future. You can tell that uh, he, he's. He's not already a superstar. He's going to be, like, elite tier. But I almost, like, look at this series and I think about, like, uh, when this is an easy comparison because we all friggin' watched the last dance, let's be honest. But when uh, that 86 playoff series with the Bulls and the Celtics, like, I could think we could see a lot of special performances from Luka, like we saw from Jordan. But what we forget about with that series is, like, despite Jordan just, like, going off, the series was still pretty short because that bird Celtics team was just a meat grinder. And that's, I think the thing that I kind of keep going back to with this Clippers team is like Kawhi and Paul George are just vets. Like they've just been through this uh, a lot. They have the requisite depth around them. They know playoff basketball. There's no disrespect to Luca and uh, Chris Stapps, but they're still young. They're still on a team that is not, great as great talent wise or with experience. I just think it's going to it would take a lot for them to kind of flip the script when they have uh so much uh up against them with this Clippers team. But that's not to say at all that like we couldn't see something special from this Mavericks team even if it's not doesn't impact the result of the series and it could foretell that maybe yeah, maybe they do get Giannis, maybe they do Uh, get something that will change this team because like you've seen so many uh, young cores like with duos like Jordan Pippen or uh, well Magic Cream actually just kind of won instantly but so that's a bad example sorry but but my point the point is I think that this could be the start of this duo uh, and their future even if it's not fulfilled this particular series.
0: All right. Well, uh, I think that we've said a lot of things on that. We can move on to another series. Uh, We were talking about Houston versus OKC, which it's going to be very strange to see Russell Westbrook on one side of that matchup. Um, Really, I think to me, OKC has been one of the surprises of the season uh, with how they have handled the departure of Russell Westbrook, with how they've handled like really not having a lot of sort of star talent, I think a lot of people would say. Uh, but Chris Paul has been like a breath of fresh air for them. Shea Gilgis alexander is already a really good guard defensively and offensively. Um, I think this is going to be one of the more interesting matchups, maybe not in terms of consequence, because I don't know if either of them beat the Lakers, if the Lakers end up going to the conference semifinals there. But uh, I think it's just... Interesting in terms of matchup, like you got the you got the shooters you in uh, Harden and uh, and that that whole Rockets team aside from Westbrook, believe it or not, um, and you got people who can really hang on the perimeter on on OKC. Like I, I like Roberson is still doing stuff, I guess, uh, and Shakeel just Alexander is one of the strangest body archetypes that I've ever seen in in a shooting point guard, whatever it is that he does. Um, Chris Paul is still playing to, like, the best of his abilities. He looks better than he even did on Houston. Like, uh, I think this is going to be fun. I think I'm going to have fun, like, just discussing these games as they happen because, really, what are we looking at? We're looking at a Russell Westbrook in four-out offense from the Rockets versus, like, this – this really like controlled pace half court sets that you have coming out of the thunder. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. What do you guys think?
2: Yeah. I, I think this is going to be, you kind of nailed it when, when you're talking about shake just Alexander. I just think this is going to be a strange series. And I mean that in the best way possible there, you had that storyline with the whole rockets, like micro ball offense. Uh, I, I, I just love it so much. You have, yeah. The Thunder have basically used Chris Paul, who I think a lot of people thought was past his prime as their primary star really. And then just like kind of these weird pieces, you know, I think the Thunder do have the uh, markings a bit as much as I hate to say it of a team that outperforms in the regular season as opposed to the playoffs. But then when you bring in the stuff, the kind of drama that maybe it however much you believe in personal motivation uh, affecting results, maybe Paul having that beef with the Rockets, he didn't seem to get along really well when he was on that team. Uh, the fact that, the, you know, the, the Thunder kind of have been looted of their best players partly by the Rockets. I have a feeling that at the very least this series is going to be entertaining in some way, and I don't know what everyone else thinks of that.
1: No, nah, I'll definitely co-sign that. Uh, this this series is going to be exciting. Um, I'm 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 praying that Russell Westbrook comes back by Game Three because um, he's going to be sitting out for the first few games, and um, obviously that 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 feeling and that that sense of energy between his old team that literally built his career. I know that energy is that energy is going to be there, and that's going to be exciting. And I think before you get into, like, even further depth of this series, like, a huge testament and shout-out has to go to Chris Paul. Um, Not only for, like, obviously his departure from the Rockets was weird and, like, shaky, especially given his relationship with James Harden. And that matchup should be interesting. But, like, his his testament and his commitment to leadership is something that you see throughout the entirety of that Rocket squad. And you can even see – you can see even further – And how he's went about uh, dealing with the um, the media aspect and the um, the media aspect of how the players went about the social justice issues. And I'm saying so, like he made sure that those those points were getting pushed forward, and that they weren't only playing basketball, but they were they were they were advocating for the things that that were necessary. So I think, like first and foremost, testament goes to Chris Paul in regards to that. And when you talk about the series and the matchups itself, I, I love the, the point that David made in regards to defense. You know what I'm saying? Like, like playoff defense is different than, than anything in, in the NBA. You talk about coverages, you talk about matchups, you talk about um, tendencies and things of that matter. And those are all things Chris Paul has downloaded and knows to a T, you know what I'm saying? So I think, I think that, gives, that, gives the, that gives the Thunder a, a slight advantage. And also, again, Russell Westbrook not playing gives them an advantage. But to an extent, I, I love what Ethan said, in referring to it as micro ball instead of small ball. Like, you can shoot over good defense. You know what I'm saying? So, if the Rockets decide to shoot 40% from three every game, I, like, as as good as as good as strong as Steven, Steven Adams is, as as reliable as their bench is, as good as their leadership in SGA is, like, I genuinely believe that the Rockets control their own fate because – like, in, 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 that, in that environment where, like, if you shoot well and you play, play a little bit of defense, you're going to win games where these games are, are averaging, like, 110, 120 points a game. And, like, as long as hard like I said, as long as Harden doesn't pull a James Harden in the playoffs, like, I, it's, it's hard for me to bet against them. But, I, like, I understand and I respect the, like, OKC's, like, ability – And I feel like this series could genuinely go either way. So, so yeah, it's definitely interesting. Definitely very interesting.
0: Yeah. One interesting aspect of this is, uh, is the wrinkle of, Oh, Westbrook just got hurt like four days ago. Um, And now we're looking at, is this going to be the James Harden show all over again? Like, are we looking at a repeat of previous playoff performances, uh, things of that nature? I do think, Yeah, when you look at what OKC brings to the table, like, yeah, it it is going to be difficult for them to cover all the shooters, especially if they have Steven Adams out there on the court who is notoriously, like, not the best perimeter defender. Um, And they're running, like, oh, Gallinari's getting, like, what, 30 minutes a game? Uh, He's definitely not, like, the most locked down on the wings. Um, So, yeah, the Rockets are going to get their looks. The Rockets are going to get their shots. Uh, I think it's a matter of, how well are the Thunder able to control the pace? How well are they able to take advantage of the fact that like the Rockets don't have a a floor general of Russell Westbrook's nature, who's just gonna like absolutely kill them on the inside, as opposed to someone who's uh, looking for the the shot creation attempts on the perimeter uh, to the nature of James Harden or looking for fouls on the inside? Because I think that's like one aspect of the playoffs that tends to um, deviate from the regular season to an extent is like when people drive. Are they looking for free throws or are they looking for an actual look at the basket? Uh, I think Damian Lillard is like a good example of this because he gets a lot of free throws. He averages like eight or nine attempts a game, but when he's going towards the basket, like he's looking to score. That's that's his goal right there, and he, he goes up with power. Like he does not <laughs> he does not mind a little bit of contact uh, when he's looking to finish. Um, I think Westbrook is pretty similar, but uh, he, he's sort of dropped off in explosiveness of the, as the years have, have gone on. Um, but Harden, like, I think one of the problems that he encounters in the playoffs is that he tends to be looking for fouls when he's driving towards the basket. And um, refs swallow their whistles sometimes, and it may not be as reliable for them as they want. So I think if they end up being in close game situations, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Thunder end up coming out on top in those close games because, like, the Rockets, I think, are going to struggle to create opportunities that aren't just chucking out threes uh, in, in, the, in those scenarios. Um, but that being said, Harden is a master of his craft. Uh, D'Antoni, I think, has run with the, the microball uh, experiment and made it his own and I think it's the the fulfillment of his dreams from when he was on Phoenix uh, when he was coaching Phoenix um so whichever way this goes I think it's going to be super entertaining I think it's going to be super enlightening and uh educational for the the uh coaching nerds so
1: yeah no I what I'm remembering is that the Rockets downfall against the Warriors was the Chris Paul injury um and in that and him not being able to play in that game 7 and i like i have i have some resentment for that because i know that if the rockets beat the warriors in that series that they would have definitely lost to lebron in the finals and that's one more chip for my mans and that hurts me that hurts me but like in the same sense i just i just point that out just because is an injury going to be the downfall of them again you know what i'm saying so it's it's just like it's just one of those things where like given A the combination of Harden's temperament in regards to what you're talking about saying with those fouls and B their just natural unluckiness when it comes to the timing of injuries in the most important the most important uh time of the year, like Harden just like Harden just really has to show up. And if he doesn't then like the I could definitely see the I could definitely see the thunder getting through. So we shall see.
0: All right. I think we're going to shift our focus over to the East then, uh, that being said. So I was talking about the sort of the power struggle in the East. So you've got your top three in the Milwaukee Bucks, who I think are going to make it out of um, them versus the Magic, like just fine. Uh, you, got the, you got the Toronto Raptors, who I personally think are the best team in the East, best equipped to handle the playoffs. Uh, and they're going to be facing the Brooklyn Nets, uh, Ethan's Brooklyn Nets. Um, who are a little understaffed, a little undermanned. Uh, that may end up being a, a somewhat unfortunate series to watch for you. Um, and then anyway, – uh, Five and three in the bubble. Yeah, that's true. That is true. You have not you, – you haven't underperformed, that's for sure, despite being somewhat undermanned. Uh, and the Ben Simmons-less less Sixers versus my Boston Celtics, uh, who – I don't know that's that's gonna be a wash I think <laughs> I don't think the Sixers are gonna do very well against the Celtics at all um so I think it's those three to look out for to come out of the east and uh, like I said at the top I think the Bucks end up losing two two and three so uh if the Celtics and the Raptors end up winning their respective first round series they end up facing each other in the conference semifinals uh and I think the winner of that is going to end up coming out of the east uh I have a couple of reasons for this. So I, like I said, I think the Raptors are the the best team in the East. Um, you look at Giannis Antetokounmpo, and you'd say, "Man, this guy—he's gonna win MVP again." He's averaging how many points? He's averaging how many rebounds? He's just a force of nature. Um, but I think, like we we sort of talked about this in the group me before, um, I think it is likely that what Giannis brings to the table is not really the qualities of a playoff carry, at least not right now. Um, he's not really the type of guy who I think can, you know, he's going to rack up points and transition easily, right? Like he's, he's the kind of guy who he's just going to overpower people in the post and put up 30 a game, like one way or another. And he's gotten a lot better at the playmaking aspect of stuff. I think the struggle comes in, in scenarios similar to uh, what we were looking at with the with the rockets, in situations where you don't have all of a sudden the the shot creation power that you need, because like we we already know, okay, if your best shot creator is a guy who just absolutely feeds in the post, like I think there's going to come a point in a game where people are willing to give those points up to you, especially if you rely on free throws. Uh, as much as as much as the Bucks do, like they, uh, how much do they average? They're averaging, averaging twenty five attempts a game. Giannis is averaging ten attempts per game. Like, I don't know. It's it's, it seems like a somewhat one dimensional game plan at times. What they bring to the table, and then you add in the ac- extra factor of, Chris Middleton doesn't really, he doesn't really get the due that he's worth. He's like a really good player. Um, I think that he stuff to the table that like people praise so many other players in this league for right he's he is a good defender he is a good shooter and he's able to create his own shot i think the image that sticks with chris middleton stands is is that image of him like putting that dagger in uh in the playoffs when was it uh i guess the 2018 playoffs over (sighs) over the over the Boston Celtics. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's your top two right there. I think Brook Lopez is uh, underrated and a really good player. Uh, and he, he brings a lot to the table for them. But then you got George Hill and Eric Bledsoe, um, who have not exactly been the paragons of consistency in the playoffs during their careers. Um, you know, the, the famous J.R. Smith meme uh, came out of a missed free throw from George Hill. Um, you know, you, you got Eric Bledsoe, who's just like, he has never been someone that you would go to war with in, in a playoff scenario. Um, and you go down the line and it's like, all right, the rest of this team is like all shooters and also Robin Lopez. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's going to be interesting. Uh, the Bucks are definitely not a bad team and their defense is ridiculous. I, I have not seen like people leverage their size and, and ability in a way like it, that the Bucks have this year. They're, I, I think they're the best defense in the league, like statistically. And uh, I, it, it totally makes sense. Like Giannis Antetokounmpo, who wants to be guarded by that guy, right? Like you, you, you can like get past him and he can still block you from behind like 10 feet away. Uh, it, just what he brings to the table on that end is absolutely ridiculous. But on the other end of it, I think the Raptors have been just, in my opinion, the best overall rounded team in the league. Like, their defense is also incredibly solid. Uh, Siakam brings very similar things to the table, but, like, in a slightly smaller package than Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, but he also has a jump shot. And he also has, like, a really decent playmaking eye. Um, I think, that like, defensively, he's also, he's also got, like, the speed, quickness, and the length to hang with most players in this league. And then you're bringing on, like, veterans like Lowry and Van Vliet and Norman Powell. Uh, marcus has is, is on that roster. I, I, I don't think he's going to play too much of a factor. Uh, but, yeah, you got Ananobi there, too, who's just, like, able to hang with pretty much anyone on the perimeter. Um, I don't know. I think they're a really good team they shoot really well from the arc, like overall as a team, they're averaging 37% from the, from the arc, which is, you know, okay. Uh, But they, they get 14 threes a game uh, out of that roster. Um, And I think like, if you look at that roster, like that's not really what you expect, but it it is, it is a big part of their game plan. It is a big part of what they do and offensively, like they're able to create shots with either one of their kind of undersized guards or one of their like, Somewhat beefy, like tall wings, uh, and in Siakam um this guy—is uh, it Chris Boucher? Is that how you say it? Like he's—he's he's just been like a breath of fresh air in the. Is it
3: Boucher? Uh,
0: Boucher? That might be it. Like he—he he had a really good game against the Bucks uh, earlier in the bubble. Like I think he's a rookie, um, but yeah, so. Uh, he, this is his second year, actually. Uh, he hasn't exactly been, like, taking the league by storm, but I, he has his moments. He catches on fire, and he's just, like, a, a really decent scorer when, when uh, the time calls for it. I think the Raptors are really good, and they obviously match up pretty well with the Bucks.
2: This kind of ties into what I've been saying on the group chat, uh, you know, being the Nets homer. I, I'm a little more skeptical of the Raptors, I think, than you are, Sam. Not that... I think they're a great regular season team. I think i it's been amazing what Siakam has been able to do uh, to kind of transition into the starring role. Um, I, and I have to give them credit for what that supporting cast accomplished uh, last year in the playoffs. That being said, though, I don't think, I think a lot of people were taken by surprise by how great that supporting cast was in last year's playoffs. And I think that if we hadn't just seen that team with Kawhi, which that's a very notable uh, loss, do what they did last year, would we really be saying the same thing about how we think that they project in this playoffs versus this regular season? I, I don't know if Cal Lowry is going to be good Cal Lowry or the kind of Cal Lowry that can like kind of suck the his team out of a game. I don't know if Siakam is going to be the new star, or is he going to show some of the inexperience that comes with leading, uh, being newly leading a team into the playoffs? Um, I don't know if Fred VanVleet is going to still be the kind of like built in like a shooter that he was, uh, that would always give them that uh, push they needed in last year's playoffs. I know that this is the most stereotypical Homer take in the world. But I do think that this first-round series could be a little more interesting than people are giving it credit for. Karis LeVert, uh, you want, if you want to get mad at me, just look at how Karis LeVert has been playing, man. That is like – I mean, I, I will say, I, even as a Nets fan, was not being uh, – I think was thinking it would be ridiculous to think they'd do much in the bubble. Uh, but I remember saying, well, I guess this is the time for Karis LeVert and Jarrett Allen to lead us, kind of jokingly. And yet that's kind exactly what happened. Karis Levert has been playing out of his mind. Like he looks like a totally uh different player. He looks like that third star that we're eventually gonna need with uh KD and Kyrie. It, it it's uh amazing to see. Jarrett Allen has also looks completely like a different player, even than d- during this regular season. Uh he he I think uh people kind of singled him out for how he was kind of not able to compete with those physical bigs in that sixer series last year completely different story this year. he seems like if anyone's still calling him soft that they need to either get their eyes checked or watch more of the nets I think uh rodeon's Kuroks looks way better uh given uh where he was earlier this year as like this kind of like pet that defensive pest pest off the bench um and I think that it's gonna I'm really interested to see how this series with them and the Raptors pan out because I think the Raptors yes, are a very you know a deep team a good a great regular season team, but I'm not sure what to make of them as a playoff team yet uh given that they had the loss of their superstar and i, I think beyond that they they're still probably i i'm not I'm not being ridiculous here they're still very mo it's much more likely that they're going to be the ones that get out of the first round. But going into future series against teams like the Bucks, who the Bucs, I agree with you. I have some of the same concerns, although Giannis is a bigger star than any one of the Raptors, obviously. Um, but I remember when they were cruising through the playoffs, they were 10-1 and in the playoffs last year. And it seemed like it was just kind of the uh, and when, not if, They were just going to put the Raptors out of their misery. And then suddenly they kind of got figured out. And I have some of these questions about these, like, Mike Budenholzer teams and how they're overinflated in the regular season versus the playoffs. But as for against the Raptors, who I think we remember before Kawhi got here, they frequently had great regular seasons. They looked like they were turning the corner uh, without having, like, a big superstar. And then they were usually – kind of uh, exposed in the playoffs when they get, came up against a superstar. Back then it was LeBron, but Giannis could fill the same role, I think. And I wouldn't say I'd give them no chance against the Bucs, but I think that I'd be more in line with the consensus that the Bucks would be a fairly heavy favorite in that series than uh, – I'm just a bit skeptical. I think I need to see it first to believe that the uh, Kawhi list – Raptors are going to be this yeah. uh, playoff juggernaut. Although I do have a lot of respect for what they've accomplished and I wouldn't be shocked pretty much most of what they did. I, I'd be pretty shocked if they beat the Lakers in the finals. Then, then,
0: Yeah. So I, I, I totally see where you're coming from. I think that that's a totally valid take. I would say that there's two major differences between the Raptors of today and the Raptors of yesteryear when they were, uh, you know, first round outs when they just like would always choke against the against the Cavaliers or whatever it was. Uh, I think there's two major differences. So one, <laughs> LeBronto indeed. Um, I think the coaching change has been a significant advantage for them. So from Dwayne Casey to Nick Nurse, I think Nick Nurse has shown serious adaptability in the playoffs. Uh, which is something that I think they struggled with in the past. So when their game, their game plans got figured out, like you know, it was it was Dwayne Casey who I think was a little bit rigid at times in terms of offensive plan, in terms of um, defensive scheme, and how they they rose up to certain challenges. Um, so I think Nick Nurse has shown like he is really good at this. So this is sort of to your point about what is what goes wrong with Mike Budenholzer teams. I think part of it is like adaptability in terms of. What happens when things go wrong? What happens when clearly the other team knows how to handle what you're throwing at them? Uh, and I think Nick Nurse is really good at that. He showed that in the in their playoff run um, when uh, when they when they won the finals. Yeah, they had Kawhi Leonard, um, but like I think what he showed there is he is able to rise up to certain challenges and and like actually tell the team, hey, let's do something different. Let's try something out just so that we don't get stuck in a rut here because they figured this out. The other part is like. The rap the nature of the Raptors like star has somewhat shifted from Demar Derozan to a, a sort of long wing type. So it was Kawhi Leonard in last year's playoffs, even though like they showed that they were able to uh, do it without him in some in some uh, series, in some games, and a lot of the regular season. Like he was gone 16 games, and they only lost one of those, I think. Um, but now they got Pascal Siakam, and he is. He is, I think he's a lock for the most improved player just because of, like, he's, he's going to be the first to win it two times in a row. And I think he totally deserves it. He has already gone from, like, a fringe player to last year he became, like, a really good rotation piece. And I think this year he is the star of that team. And I think he's really good at what he does. Um, he's been really impressive to me. And I think, like, he is able to uh, account for a lot of their weaknesses in terms of size, in terms of actual... Um, shot creation ability and just like athleticism is something that he brings to the table in spades. So, uh, yeah, I, I see your point and uh, I I think it makes sense. Um, but I do, I do have a lot of faith in this year's Raptors.
1: Yeah. I have a quick point about the Bucks, and then I have a question for you, Sam. So I think, um, what, like one thing you, you had mentioned a little bit earlier, Sam is about, uh, was about Giannis and how his, um, his style doesn't necessarily always pertain to a deep playoff run. And I don't know. I've, I've i got give and take with Giannis, honestly. Um, I think this year is like really big for him in terms of like pressure and being able to perform. Um, obviously just because like he had that early bounce um, in last year's playoffs. And this year there's kind of like no excuse since it's sort of like a LeBron situation where the, the Kawhi of the East has left. So like, And, and obviously, and Ben Simmons isn't playing either. So in theory, like the most dominant player should have free reign. And that is Giannis. So I I have, I have a lot of, I have a lot of respect for that. And I feel like with, with Giannis, I think I'm, his numbers in, in a sense, they confuse me just because I feel like in, in a way it should be sort of a LeBron situation where if he's driving all the time and and he's getting defenses to collapse on him. People are talking about the whole Stan Van Gundy build the effing wall because that's what you have to do in order to defend Giannis. There's no reason, if he's getting doubled and tripled off being able to drive with with no regard, that he shouldn't be averaging like eight nine assists a game. You know what I'm saying? And like the like the coverages that yet they're gonna face on Giannis, they're gonna a lot they're gonna let him shoot those threes, and he's either gonna have a day where he makes two or three from the, from the line, or he airballs a few. And he misses five or six or seven free throws. You know what I'm saying? So I think, like, I understand the the quarrels when it comes to Giannis. And I think that matchup with either possibly the Raptors or possibly the Celtics, like, could cause them some trouble in regards to, like, who's, again, who's being more consistent and who's showing up. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to see how Giannis handles that pressure, because I know he's very driven. And I know he's one of those people. Like he's got that he's got that Mamba mentality. I'm saying like by any means necessary. So I think if he he's able to correlate that into making the right play as opposed to just always being on his shack mindset, where it's like oh let me just dominate. Um, I think I think that could that could work out really well for the Bucks. But my question my question for you, Sam, regarding your Celtics, um, it's, it's, it's a very specific niche question like could you could you explain Daniel Tice to me as a big man because i feel like he's like very mid i feel like he's like a very average player and like i don't really trust y'all with that kind of big man whereas like if i had to take someone who's considered not like the best big man i'm take i'm putting steven adams on every single team that that i make you know what i'm saying so right. so
0: <laughs> okay so Tice is an interesting case for me. So I've long maintained that uh, in that one playoff run where they went to seven games with the Cavaliers, if Tice had not gotten hurt uh, earlier in that, in that playoff run, then they would have ended up winning that series and going to the finals.
3: Um you're you're like, telling me you're telling me Daniel Tice would have been the thing that keeps LeBron James from getting to the NBA Finals. Yeah,
0: I, I'm here. They were literally within six points of winning that series. Like it was You're telling
3: was me Daniel very Tice
0: cool series. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Okay, so let's talk about Daniel Tice because this is a this is a topic that I'm very passionate about. Um, I think Daniel Tice is a really strange player. Um, he, I've watched the Celtics live twice. I have watched like forty-two of their games uh, over the past two seasons, uh, like live and like. I'm always looking out for Daniel Tice. Um, he is. He's a guy who gets bullied so much in the post. Like, it, uh, I watched them against the Pelicans when AD was still on them, and holy moly, AD just feasted on this guy. Um, it was one of the, like, most tragic things that I've ever seen. Like, he does not have a lot of lateral quickness, uh, and he's he does not have, like, a lot of lower body strength relative to the rest of the league. Um, it's one of, like, the strangest things I've ever seen, though, because what when he's on the court, like – there are statistics to support this, but I, I think it's it just sort of makes sense in the grand scheme of things. It's like their post-defense is actually like a lot better when he's there. I think part of it is like this mentality thing. People see like this kind of this kind of frail looking white guy in the in the center position, and they're like, yeah, that's the guy I want to take on. And they end up like going for shots that they normally wouldn't go for and maybe not making the best plays. Uh, so maybe there's like a psychological aspect to it, but I also think like he's just a really smart rebounder which is a really strange thing to say but so the Celtics have historically struggled with rebounds especially like offensive rebounds but defensive rebounds as well so they've got like pretty good perimeter defense but they kind of struggle to close out defensive possessions because they don't get those defensive rebounds Uh, right now yeah look at this like Jason Tatum is their second highest rebounder at seven rebounds a game. And I, I think that's like a really good aspect of their of what he brings to the table. But their leading rebounder is Ennis Cantor and he's not going to be on the court for like half of these matchups, half of these close situations. Um, but Tice is like right up there with him with only 24 minutes a game. He is getting six and a half rebounds per game. Uh, he's a he's a decent offensive rebounder and he's really good at picking his spots to get defensive rebounds. Um I don't think that he's, like, the strongest defensive player, and I think there's a lot of stuff that will support that, but he brings some, an element to the table that's, like, really important for the Celtics in that, like, he closes out those defensive possessions. Like, he, he'll he block some shots every now and then just because, like, he's really good at finding those spots, but, um, yeah, he does struggle in terms of physical matchups because, like, he, he gets bodied a lot. <laughs> I, I don't know, know how else to put it. Like he's someone who will get bullied but doesn't really mind. He's just gonna like throw himself in there and, and get the rebounds where he can. Um, I think he's a really important player to the Celtics specifically just because he brings that to the table. But I do agree. Like there are better c- centers out there. There are better bigs out there. I think it's, it's specifically ties Tyus- meshing with what the Celtics do, which is on offense, run around a lot and, and look for open shots in and, 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 uh, Brad Stevens' plays, and uh, on defense, like, I guess allow the opponent to take, like, low percentage shots and just, like, um, mess with them however they, however you can, and just picking up the pieces, like, getting the rebounds afterwards. Um, so, yeah, I think Ty's is a really important player, but he's definitely a very strange player.
1: Yeah, no. Nah, that was that's my only question in regards to y'all's success in the playoff run is how your big men perform because I trust your wings. I trust JT, I trust JB, I trust Kemba, I trust Brad Stevens ability to do the right things for that team. Obviously, like you said, they they've been to the Eastern Conference Finals before with that young core. So, um but like, e- like even for example, you could bring up their first round matchup. Obviously, no Ben Simmons like it makes it makes that it makes that matchup seem a lot sweeter for y'all. But say Joel and B decides to average 35 and ten for the entire series. You know what I'm saying? So like like and so what, is, what what does that mean? What is that what does that mean for y'all in that regard? So I feel like like the 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 play of Tice and, and, and Canter. So yeah. Yeah, I
0: think what a lot of Celtics fans are looking towards um in that regard is there's been some health concerns over over the season that have sort of cleared up actually with the stoppage the play stoppage due to the pandemic um and one of the big returns that they're getting on that is Rob Williams uh, Robert Williams the 3rd and yeah so he did not play most of the season and like he is all of a sudden really healthy um my dad is not a big Robert Williams fan uh he he thinks he's he's uh, somewhat uh, jumpy defender, so to speak. But I think Robert Williams brings that element of size and verticality to the table that the Celtics tend to struggle with. He's a very athletic individual. He actually finishes alley-oops, which is something unheard of on the Celtics. Um, and he gets rebounds, man. Like, he he gets in there and he he's ready to run. He's ready to jump. He's ready to, to stop big guys on defense. Uh, I think the big thing with, like, really big guys is – the Celtics game plan with those types of players and those types of teams has tended to be let them do their thing, let them get their 35, let them get their 40, whatever it ends up being. Just make sure, like, they don't get open three-pointers. Make sure they don't get open shots. And close out those defensive possessions uh, with rebounds when you can. Um, yeah, I, I think, like, okay, so talking about the Sixers, it I, it's tended to be not the best team for them to employ that strategy on because they have two guys who are going to bang in the post and Simmons and Embiid uh but Simmons is out and they are missing like some of their key pieces as well like they don't like Mike Scott is out they got uh, Jair Smith never even came into the bubble uh who's the other guy oh they oh Glenn Robinson the third is out too like he's gonna miss at least a week um yeah I I I would say for the Sixers specifically, like, it's not great for them, a great look for them, because, like, they're missing a couple of their shooters, they're missing a couple of their perimeter guys, and they're also missing, like, the guy who makes the Celtics scared of just saying, hey, Embiid, do your thing. They also have, like, a little bit of size now. Uh, Grant Williams is an interesting player to me. He's a rookie out of Texas, um, and he's not, like, the strongest defender, but he has, like, a really interesting offensive game. I really like watching Grant Williams play on the post, Uh, but he's also, like, he's kind of a sizable dude. He doesn't really get beat up a lot. Like, he gets beat off the dribble, but he doesn't get beat up a lot, Um, and Cantor has improved defensively significantly over the past couple of seasons. It's been really interesting to watch from him, Uh, and then on the other hand, like, Marcus Smart is not scared of guarding setters. Like it is, it's one of the strangest things I've ever seen. He, he will body like whoever he needs to body. I don't think that he can stop like Joel Embiid, but his defensive record against even Giannis is wow. Unmatched. I cannot believe that this is what that guy is doing. Um, and Marcus Smart, like not being hurt. Uh, Robert Williams, not being hurt. Daniel Tice actually being present and putting in consistent minutes. I think it's going to, it's going to help with their size issue and their like if they just outscore people on the wings, like I don't think that they're too worried about those types of matchups.
1: Yeah, but Matisse Thibel is the friendliest and most like rookie in the bubble, so I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. The other aspect of it is the Sixers do have Al Horford, so maybe this is just going to be
0: a total wash and the Sixers are going to sweep the Celtics. But uh, I, I I don't know. I think uh, I think it's a pretty good shot uh, for them to go to the conference semis. I think. They're 3-1 and one against the Raptors this season, and that's, like, when they were missing players on both sides. And, uh, you know, I, I think, like, I think they match up well with the Raptors. They bring a lot to the table. Like, oh, they're just going to keep throwing wings at you. And, like, what are you going to do about it? Um, and the Raptors have, like, kind of struggled with that this season, which has been interesting to watch. Um, so I think, like, if it's a Raptors-Celtics semifinals matchup, that's going to be fun. For sure. Like I'm I'm absolutely tuning into all five, six, seven games, whatever that ends up taking. Whoever comes out of that, I think they beat the Bucks for reasons that I said before. So I'm looking forward to uh
1: I'm looking forward to that. I wanna I wanna hear David's football takes.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: all right. Tell us about Cam Newton. Who is he? What are Cam, they?
3: Cam Newton. Um I'm so I'm so excited. I'm more. I'm more excited for this football season, uh, specifically with the Patriots, than I have been for a while. Um, not just because of Cam Newton, but largely because of Cam Newton. Um, I think, obviously, Josh McDaniels, who I'm. Um, I'm shocked he's not a head coach somewhere at this point. I don't know what kind of blackmail Bill Belichick has over him.
2: Pride, remember.
3: Yeah, the Colts tried, but then <laughs> uh Josh McDaniels some something happened, that's what I'm saying. Um but he's still here. He gets he gets a brand new exciting player in Cam Newton to to scheme with that he's never been able to scheme with before. Um I think the AFC East has gotten significantly tougher uh this time around. Uh pretty much solely from the buffalo bills but i would watch out for the miami dolphins a little bit too um it's a it's a question whether uh tua can be healthy yeah ethan i'm not your jets aren't a problem oh <laughs> uh, yeah yeah
2: you're really, you're really gonna put the dolphins above us man well I guess, I guess, I guess adam Gase is a shitty head coach man but yeah he
3: is <laughs> Um, until, until Tua Tagovailoa says he's seeing ghosts on Monday night football, uh, I'm going to put the Dolphins ahead of the Jets. Um, <laughs> I think, I think, I think the Dolphins will be interesting. I think the Bills are going to be really interesting to see if they can, if they can follow up the season. But honestly, since the signing of Cam Newton, I do have the Patriots, uh, coming out of the AFC East. Um, just with, cause... They've been leaning more towards being a run-heavy team, uh, especially in the last couple years. I mean, the Super Bowl championship they had against the Rams—they were a run, they were an I-form like run-first team—and um, they just didn't have the tight ends to do it last season. And this year, they do. They drafted two really good tight ends uh, in the third round. Um, beyond beyond my basic homerism that will inflate my my outlook on the Patriots, um, I do I am quite excited to see them i'm more excited to see the tampa bay buccaneers uh i think i think you would be you would have to be crazy to not have the tampa bay buccaneers coming out of the nfc this year that's that's my my hot take that if you take if you take a team that had two two of like the top five receivers in the league and you go ahead and add the greatest quarterback to ever play and you add the greatest tight end to ever play who hasn't taken a hit in over a year. Um, I think that team's going to score a million points a game. And I think they're going to cut through uh, whatever schedule they play. They have a tough division, but I don't think there's any team that can, that can hang with them in a, in a shootout. So Wait. I, my current hot take is I have a box coming out of that.
1: David, David, quick question. Quick question. Yeah. yeah. Wait, go
2: ahead. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, I, this is a bit more controversial than I uh, thought it was going to be. I, I think I'm getting lower and lower. I think I'm lower than you on both uh, the Belichick uh, Brady duo teams, but I, I'm getting lower and lower. I think on the Buccaneers. I, really? I, I, David, I think you uh, forgot to mention an important part of this, which is that. Brady and Gronk yes are the best at their positions of all time. They're both also both old, as shit, man. Like uh, Gronk
3: is 31, dude. 30,
2: 31. 31 for Is that, that oldest the kind of uh, the kind of position, the kind of punishment he was taking the way he was playing? I get right. that the was is good, but it still he still was garbage the last time we saw him. And Brady was What? You,
3: <laughs> His... Even, his thing. last, his last catch was like a, <laughs> was like on the last drive of the Super Bowl, dude. A, Gron- he was not the, okay,
2: he was not the uh, most important weapon in that Super Bowl, or even close.
3: Right,
1: was Edelman not, was MVP. Yeah. Ethan, please Sony please was, please was adopt- arguably
3: more productive. But
1: please don't tell me you're adopting the Max Kellerman Cliff theory. <laughs> please, we don't please. use that. All right. right.
3: So, um. Well, I I agree. I agree. Gronk his his last his last year in New England wasn't as productive. But if you watch the way teams covered him that year, it was like it was like punt coverage because Edelman Edelman was hurt for a lot of that year. Um, Brady just didn't have a ton of places to go, and Gronk got a ton of the focus that year, more so than he had in past years. I think. I think him having not taken a hit in so long is going to be really good for him. I think he's going to play with more enthusiasm than he did sort of late stage in his career with the Patriots. And I think he's going to really benefit from having Mike Evans and Chris Godwin on that same team, which frankly is weapons that he has never had in his career to line up alongside him. So I think he'll do well, not being the sole focus of that, of that passing attack.
2: I get what you're saying. And I don't mean to belabor the point, but he's also never been 43. And few uh, uh, quarterbacks have ever been 43 and still been, uh, like, at that level, you know? And I'm – Right. Kind of like, the weapons he has, especially, I think, are weapons that would have been a lot uh, more valuable to him at a younger age. Uh it, I just am concerned about how this mix is going to work between Brady and the Bruce Arians. You know, uh, Mm -hmm. Biscuit or Biscuit, Godwin. It's it's a kind of I don't know, an uh, an unholy mix of uh, styles and personalities. And I just I I just don't know. It it doesn't strike me as uh, the kind of thing that's going to uh, be enormously successful. And I definitely would not say they are a sure thing out of the NFC. I don't with-
3: think – yeah, I don't think they're a sure thing. I think they're my, they're my pick. Um, and I think right. I think the, mat, the math is fairly simple, that if you take an offense that went crazy in terms of passing yardage but also had 30 interceptions uh, last season – and then you replace Jameis Winston with the one quarterback who is the least likely to throw 30 interceptions ever. Um, But I think you're looking for success here.
2: I agree with that element, but Jameis Winston, weirdly in a way, even though he is like objectively, he was like the, I I don't know how to put this. He was like the best bad quarterback ever. (laughs) That's a great way of putting it. I agree. Weirdly, even though he was awful, like, and, like, the 30 picks are, like, ridiculously bad. Like, weirdly fit into that system in a way I'm not Mm. sure 43-year-old Brady will. That's all I'm saying, really. Yeah, no, I I guess.
1: Yeah, go ahead. uh, Yeah, I think it's it's a situation where, like, Belichick's system, obviously, for, like, their relationship and how, like, the fact that he's there the entire career – like, it, it fit Brady's play style and, like, the, the short and the mid-range, whether – like, and being able to pick apart offenses. And I think the, the point that Uthu was trying to make in regards to Brady's weapons now, it's like – like, Mike Evans is one of those guys that you – like, you, you tell him to, to run 40 yards and throw that joint up. And it's like – I'm not going to say Brady doesn't have that in him because, like you said, he's the best quarterback of all time. But it's a situation – like, you you kind of get into a situation where, like, people, like, start looking at him like LeBron in a way where it's like, oh, can you still do those things that you've been doing the entire career? And it's like – like, Brady's in a position where he has to continually prove people wrong. You know what I'm saying? So I think I think, it, I think it'll be interesting in that regard to see, like what like, if, like, they adopt, like, similar styles that he's used to or Brady's just like, yo – Y'all, y'all, y'all forgot I'm the best quarterback of all time. Of course I can throw the ball fifty yards down the field. Something like that. You know what I'm saying? And I will ignore I will ignore the fact that y'all said that Rob Gronkowski is the best tight end of all time, ignoring men like Tony G and Antonio Gonzalez and things of that matter. I think it's arguable. I think he's one of the most dominant, but I will ignore that. Uh I have sure. a, I have a question for you, David, in regards yeah, to Yeah, yeah, yeah. In regards to the Patriots, uh, mm. does does Cam Newton's playoff pedigree with the Panthers concern you at all? You know what I'm saying? In terms of like obviously he has playoff experience and obviously we all know the Super Bowl die for the ball cam. Right, right stuff right. like that. But it's like does 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 his experience and like what he what he has done or not done in the playoffs concern you for that that position where he's going to be back there again?
3: Um, it doesn't concern me a ton right now, mainly because I will just be happy if we get to the playoffs. Um, after, after If we survive Tom Brady leaving and we get to the playoffs, I will be satisfied. Um, Cam, Cam in the playoffs, I think, is going to be largely dependent on uh, how much Bill asks him to do. If this offense is really tailored around his skill set, and it starts to look a little bit like the Panthers teams that he played with. I think then we can be. Uh, I think then it's going to come into play how well how well he does in the playoffs when in positions where he has to put up and produce. Um, but I think even with Tom in the past couple of years, like I keep going back to 20, 2018 against we won the Super Bowl against the Rams. We. Um, but that, that whole offense was really built to kind of not even, not even force Brady to have to do make plays himself and to let the running game set up the things he has to do. I think the Patriots' offense right now, especially with the running backs they have and the really deep uh, stable of running backs they have, um, this offense is set up to give Cam a nice, comfortable uh, attack to, to – Sort of manage and run to the point where he doesn't have to be the guy in the playoffs, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah just one more point I wanted to make is uh, I think kind of an uh, X factor that you guys haven't mentioned with both those teams is the pandemic's effects. Uh, the Patriots had a bunch of players opt out, uh, which I think will be a loss, especially happening this late on in the process of preparing for the season. will be something to overcome especially considering that remember that Bills team was already a playoff team and they've improved at certain positions they got Stefan Diggs that's not nothing uh I, I think they they almost feel a little underrated It's weird to me because i i gave my Bills fan friends a lot of because i think they overrate Josh Allen but now it seems like as a team they they've kind of become a little underrated to me especially given all the changes happening in the AFC East and that also, I think, impacts the Buccaneers because they haven't had a full offseason of work together. And I feel like that, uh, all the issues I mentioned, I feel like could be compounded with uh, having that obstacle to get through. So w- we'll see. I-, I understand all the arguments for uh, those teams' uh, potential. But I, I just, I-, I don't totally uh, feel it. I- I- we'll-, we'll see, though. You said Diggs is on the Bills. Oh, you didn't know?
1: Yeah, I, I was bro. Diggs has definitely got my uh, my my all time favorite uh, screen grab of a yeah. picture when during the Minnesota Miracle and him throwing yes. his helmet. That's that's probably one of my favorite NFL pictures of all time.
2: I shit all over uh, Josh Allen, but he, he's better than Case Keenum, man. <laughs>
3: Um, I like I like I like Diggs on the Bills because I think he they did find one of the few players who can catch up to a Josh Allen overthrow. I think I I think uh I I think the Bills are good. I don't know head to head if they can beat if Josh Allen can deal with a Bill Belichick defensive scheme i think good young quarterbacks like like a sam Darnold last year just got eaten up alive and josh allen got eaten up alive um in their individual matchups so i think i think i'm not super super sold on josh allen being able to win big games especially gosh when he lateraled the ball for no reason against the texans in the wildcard round
2: sure i love to bring that up when uh... A Bill's fans, friends, <laughs> Arnold,
3: man. yeah. I had to like triple check the clock in the score, and to be like, "Am I? Am I sure? Why did he do that?" Um, but I do. I think the Bills' defense is very, very legit, and I think that is that is something that will carry them to a lot of success. Um, I think if Devin Singletary can really step up and stay healthy, that offense can be a lot more effective especially with stefan Diggs in there um i'm just still not super sold on josh allen um and i think i don't know maybe i just had i was just so convinced he was going to be a bust when he got drafted maybe i'm just not giving him the the credit he should be getting but I'm, i'm still not super sold on him
0: all right well i'm getting hungry and also i want to watch the rest of this utah denver game uh so it's I'm going to say we transition into the two-cent finish. Uh, this is our segment where we each go around and give a quick little summary little rant about something that we are very passionate about in sports going on right now. Maybe not even sports. maybe sports adjacent. Uh, so I'll go ahead with mine. I think this Denver-Utah series is going to make me really sad one way or another. I'm a big Joe Ingles fan. I'm a big Nikola Jokic fan. Uh, notable anti-vaxxer Michael Porter Jr. is one of, like, the most interesting players in the league just to watch offensively. Um, and I'm going to be really sad regardless of who gets eliminated. I also think these games are going to be, like I, – I kind of thought going into this that these games were going to be a slog, but right now, like, apparently Denver is just really – kicking it uh, offensively. Uh, Jokic is, what, five for nine right now, has 13 points six minutes into the second quarter. Um, God, I love that, man. Um, Jokic is
1: at the center position.
0: Huh? Didn't catch all that.
1: Jokic is Doncic at the center position.
0: Oh, my Lord. That's absolutely correct. Uh, Rudy Gobert, I think it's like, he's become underrated, I I think. Um, he's, He's a... He's an interesting player. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, who's, like, almost definitely going to sign with the Celtics in free agency, and I'm kind of conflicted on that. What? Uh, <laughs> have you not been seeing this stuff?
2: Dude, no. Like,
0: all of the Celtics' young guys, like, love Mitchell, and he loves, like, all of them. Like, it's, it's like, a developing story right now. It's, it's like, almost – it's got, like, vibes of um, when – who was that team? It was – it's got vibes of when um, – and ad and lebron were hanging out but like in a younger version uh it's yeah i i feel like it's it's um it's got those vibes right now and i'm kind of conflicted on it i'm not super sold on mitchell as a player but uh i i don't know it'd be cool if i he, guess
1: if he goes to the celtics he would have to be, he would have to play and either Kumba yeah. or jb would have to leave
0: right And it's like Jalen Brown's the one who likes them. So I feel like Kemba would be the odd odd man out there. So I don't know. I'm not super sold on that, but I think it's going to happen. Yeah, this is, this, also Utah would never forgive Boston if that happened because that'd be Hayward and Mitchell. Like, holy moly. Like that, that would be a rivalry until the day I die. Uh, (laughs) Jeez Louise. Yeah, this series is going to make me super sad. I think it's going to be, like, it's going to be slugfest at some point. Uh, and I don't want to see Jokic get eliminated, like, in round one as the third seed. Uh, but at the same time, like, I'm a big fan of the ingles mitchell Gobert trio. Uh, and, like, I, I wish nothing but the best for them. Jeez. Yeah, this series is going to make me sad. That's that's my 2 sad finish.
2: Okay. I'll, I'll go next. Um So, we've been through my uh, Jets and Nets, so I might as well go full circle and talk about, like, the most random thing possible. Uh, The Rays have a relief pitcher since they got at the trade deadline last year named uh, Nick Anderson. And I kind of regret talking about this because when there's a Nick Anderson on a Central Florida sports team that you start praising, uh, that uh, inevitably... It's just going to be around the corner that they choke at the biggest moment in the championship series of your sport. But I don't care. I feel like I never uh, hear about this guy even in the very niche world that is raised fandom nearly enough. He freaking comes in in the higher leverage situation like every time and he like always performs. It's super weird. Like uh, usually there are pretty much – I can't think of like almost any reliever I can think of. That, like, I've never seen just like blow a situation. But it's really hard for me to think of like one situation that Nick Anderson has blown. Uh, Usually, reliever um, uh, performance uh, varies a lot from year to year, and that's how the Rays have basically like made their name. They get these guys who like came off a bad year or a couple years, and just like turn them into good relievers. But he's been good this year and last year, and. Obviously, I think this is probably clear that I kind of just had to think of a two cent like right off the bat because this is really random. But just shout out to Nick Anderson, man, you you, you bailed out our asses so many times, and if I, I need someone to hear about this, because no one else would care otherwise.
3: All right, dope. Uh, shout out Nick Anderson. I'll go next. Um, my my hot take. My two cent finish is a is a is a Patriots take a uh, shocker um I think I like I think I would take Wes Welker only over Julian Edelman like every day of the week I was looking at some numbers uh I was crunching some numbers did you know Julian Edelman's best season in terms of yardage on the New England Patriots would rank as Wes Welker's sixth best season on the Patriots in terms of yardage um we 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 get into recency bias a lot. We get into like championship romanticism bias a lot. Uh, Wes Welker had fifteen hundred yards in twenty eleven, uh, which is absurd for a slot receiver. Wes Welker was way more productive in in his. Top seasons than Edelman ever has been for the Patriots, and that Wes Boker did that in the company of Randy Moss and a young Rob Gronkowski at different points in his career. Um, I think people people get hung up on the dropped pass in Super Bowl Forty Seven against the Giants. Um, I think people get too hung up on that uh, Edelman Edelman. Is way more drop prone than Wes Welker ever was, and I think I think people misjudge that just based on certain plays and certain Super Bowls. Um, so, so I think I think my new opinion is that Wes Welker is the best slot receiver the Patriots have had, the better slot receiver out of out of him and Julian Edelman.
1: I appreciate that take, David, and um, we've talked a good amount about American football and my two cent finish is going to be on European football or, or soccer, as the Americans call it. You know what I'm saying? Um, for all those all those heads out here talk, saying not a sport, um, let people enjoy things, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I would explicitly talk solely about Manchester United. But they were literally just knocked out of the Europa League by Sevilla. And that, that causes me pain and stress. But, um, but yeah, so we've got the, the Champions League semifinals coming up. Uh, PSG uh, squeaked past um, in the quarterfinals by scoring two, two, uh, two, two last-minute last goals. And they're, they're facing uh, Leipzig, RP Leipzig from the Bundesliga. And then on the other side of the bracket, it is Bayern Munich who is facing Lyon. So it's a full French and German final um, for the first time in I don't know how long because Ronaldo and Messi had both been um, dominant in the Champions League uh, for the past some odd years, but they both got kicked in the quarterfinals. Um, Messi was ceremoniously... Uh, dismantled by Bayern Munich by an 8-2 finish it was it was it wasn't it wasn't pretty it wasn't pretty at all so um, it's, it's interesting just because um, the the primary leagues being the English primary league and and the Italian league and La Liga and Spain have primarily dominated the Champions League but now we're seeing we're seeing Germany the German and French leagues who who funnily on the internet are called quote unquote farmer, farmers leagues uh, be, be in the semifinals of that matchup. So um, the, the tables say that it's going to be a PSG uh, Bayern Munich final based on matchups. Um, I'm a huge Neymar and Mbappe fan. So I would love to see them in a champion's league final. I've already seen a young Mbappe win uh, a, a, a world cup in the, in the most recent world cup in 2018. So that, that, that should be exciting. But um, you know, since, since everything's condensed now, in this in this new format anything can happen. So that should be exciting. Um in about thirty minutes, um Shakhtar and Inter Milan play in the lower level of the Europa League semifinal. And um that that though the winner of that matchup goes to goes on to play Sevilla, who beat my Manchester United in the semifinal yesterday. Tears, sad face. So, um, so yeah, European football is going on. Um, it's always exciting. I love to see the passion that the players put into the game. Even – and it's interesting enough when you want to talk about restrictions and things that matter, uh, all the games that have been going on in European football and in the leagues, they've been doing, they've been doing so without fans, like the same way that um, baseball has tried to do and, I, and, like, the bubble is done and things that matter. So, it's, it's just really cool seeing how all of these different sports have adjusted to To the new environment in order to to put on the necessary entertainment, which is which has just been a blessing for all of us. So you know, I'm excited. Champions League, there's nothing better than Champions League was the most the, the the number one sport in the world. So I'm, I'm excited to see it, and I'm excited to watch these playoffs. I'm excited to see these these developments and in, in these in these seasons coming up. So it should it should be really good. So thank you, all. thank you. All
0: yeah and that's going to be it for this uh this edition of the zoom sports convos podcast and uh thank you all very much for listening thanks to david ethan and i for coming out and giving us some great content some great takes to listen to uh yeah you can hear keep up with the feed here on uh whatever you're listening to it on so we got stuff on spotify we got stuff on other streaming platforms uh we are going to continue to try and cover the uh the progression of sports in a, in a COVID-filled world. We are not returning to Brown for at least a month uh, this semester. So we're gonna continue to do this remotely. We're gonna continue to uh, turn out some content for you guys. Uh, so stay tuned.